live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. If you want to give us a call, join the conversation. This is your late-night town hall. Feel free to do so. The phone number is 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. You can always call us on the legacy line as well. That hasn't gone anywhere. 866-505-4626. And uh, it seems like Biden... It wants to continue bankrupting America by adding more debt. And the the latest uh, debacle is the conversation that he had with Kevin McCarthy, Speaker Kevin McCarthy. And the president and the speaker seem to not see eye to eye on things. And we're going to dig into that in the next segment. We're really going to drill down on it because in addition to the obvious back and forth between them with, you know, Biden and the Democrats saying, no, 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 we have to increase the debt limit. This the, this ceiling has to be raised. We've got to raise the roof on this thing so we can spend more money. With one proposal, at least a couple of weeks ago, I saw one proposal where they were saying, let's just eliminate debt ceilings. We should have unlimited debt. We should have unlimited spending. This is what Democrats want. And again, I'm painting with a broad brush. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that identify as Democrats. And I identify as a... Uh, as a boy, right? As a man. <laughs> uh, but for those of you that identify as Democrats and and are offended by me saying Democrats want to continue spending, uh, don't don't be deterred by my my partisan um, critique, because it's not every Democrat, right? There's a couple of Democrats out there that I'm sure don't want that, but the ones in the leadership and the ones in Washington seem to be leading the charge with wanting to continue to spend, 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 and more spend. And granted. They have a lot of Republican brethren, too, that do the same exact thing. But Kevin McCarthy's trying to slow it down. Again, now, is this a ringing endorsement for McCarthy? Um, I wouldn't say that. I would say he's doing what we expected him to do, and I think that's a great thing. So that's uh, what's going on there. Of course, there's rate hikes. We're going to get to those as well. Um, Scheduled to be with us later is a former White House economist, so uh, we're going to get into that. I also want to get into this um, interesting story, and we'll do this at the top of the next hour, so stick with us. But this next story to me is is very bizarre. Not bizarre, but uh, a little bit um, different from the headlines you see every day. A news producer, a news person that went missing, quote-unquote missing, um, last year was arrested for the transportation of child pornography. And uh, they were arrested yesterday. That was announced today by the Justice Department. And this person worked for ABC News. So I want to dig into that at the top of the next hour because I think that's an interesting story. And, and there's a lot more to the story. Uh, and not just that story, but I think in, in general, there's there's other stories in the vicinity of child pornography. And, and to me, it's one of those things we, we should talk about every now and again and figure out why is this something that's even on the table, right? Why is this um, something that continues to be a thing? Now, I get it. As long as there's an appetite for things, there'll be a market for things. I understand that. But I also think uh, we need to be a little bit better, right? We need to be better at protecting kids. We need to be better at catching these things, um, making sure that those that 
you know, I'm guessing they're facilitating this online somehow. Back in the days, it used to be stored on hard drives and whatever, uh, and they charged you for every count. You know, when you'd read a story, they'd say, oh, this guy was charged with a thousand counts of possessing child pornography. But now it's streamed and it's downloaded and uploaded. So I don't know how they do it now. But what I do know is that, I mean, if they know that I donated to X, Y, and Z's presidential campaign, they uh, tend to slow down which emails, fundraising emails, right? Google, uh, it's been reported they've done that. So why don't they take that type of aggressive action against the child porn people? And maybe they do, and I just don't know. I just haven't heard about that. Now, interestingly, um, the aggressive action that they took against the Hunter Biden laptop, uh, the story that was reported by the New York Post, was said to be the aggressive action that they take to filter out child porn messages, uh, at least Twitter. That's what Twitter did. So I just find it interesting that there's some tech companies that have that in place, and I just wonder if they use it for things like child porn, which it's supposed to be for, as opposed to using it to curtail a particular message they don't like. So we're going we're gonna to dig into that. Uh, I also want to get into a couple of other, um, I don't want to say silly, but uh, stories that are not as heavy duty, uh, like the, um, I guess, a lighter note, if you will. There's a, a transgender individual that was changing at a YMCA and exposed themselves in the girl's bathroom and was charged with indecent exposure. So we're going to get to that. Uh, lots of things I want to get to. I also want to get to your calls. We had a, a really... Um, a lively open phone America last night where a lot of people all over the country, really good conversation, which I, I felt was um, really beneficial, at least to me, you know, cause as uh, as a host and as the listener, right? I'm, I'm like the number one listener. I have to listen to the show because I'm here. And uh, to me, it was it was very eye opening. You get so many different perspectives from from across the country. And I always, always absolutely um really value that part of the program, as do I do with the guests. But it's just so unique when you speak to people all over the place. Anyway, um, I digress. So what I want to get into here is why are we addicted to spending? Why is Washington addicted to spending? It seems to me that there there's a culture of politician uh, amongst politicians where some of them think, I've got to go to Washington and fix things, and we're going to spend less, and you know, if we're going to spend on this, then we have to cut on that. And I think that's a responsible approach, for sure. But then there's the other culture, uh, or the, the I'd say the culture that permeates most of Washington, and really the State House, at least when I worked in the New Jersey State House, uh, that was the culture there, which was, you know, it's kind of unlimited, or we'll, we'll figure out a way to get the money. And we don't sell any widgets, we don't make any things. We just get money from people in New Jersey. And that's why people are fleeing New Jersey. People are fleeing California, going to states like uh, Tennessee and Texas and Florida. I'm one of those people that's going to flee New Jersey. I'm going to go to Florida real soon uh, because it, it, it makes uh, life unlivable for the resident when you tax them to maybe not to death. Well, for some, it might feel like to death, and that's why they leave. And, and it, this is w what ends up happening. And I understand that people get used to spending other people's money, but at the at the end of the day or the bottom line here, you just can't, right? You know, I think Ronald Reagan said it best when he said, you know, you've got to get off of our back and out of our pocket. And by you, he means the government. He also said that, you know, government um, was the problem <laughs> and, and appropriately so. So I think we, we need to sometimes bring it back to square one or bring it back to basics and realize, you know what, the, the, the whole idea of small government conservatism, that this to me 
is um, where the benefit is, right? The benefit is in saying, you know, we can prolong the inevitable collapse if we start to try to shrink things down and start to behave and be more responsible and not have trillion dollar spending packages every five minutes. But that's where we are. And rates are going up. The debt ceiling is being negotiated. We're in bad shape. At least it looks like we're in bad shape to me. Anyway, you stick around because straight ahead, we're going to have former White House economist uh, Steve Moore scheduled to join us. And we're going to discuss what exactly happened today with Kevin McCarthy and Joe Biden, as well as what's going on with Jerome Powell. I think this is increase number eight. If I'm wrong, uh, the producers will correct me in the break. But I think we're at the eighth increase, uh, another quarter point that it went up today. So doesn't sound too good to me. Anyway, your calls and Steve Moore and the rest of those stories are coming up straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. We're going to keep building an economy that's fair, an economy that's competitive, and an economy that works for everyone. All right. Welcome back, America. That was President Joe Biden uh, spouting off at the mouth, saying he's going to make a great economy, bottom out, middle up, this, that and the other. Yet he's a spending machine and is driving us into a recession. Uh, He's had his negotiations today with uh, Speaker McCarthy, and I don't think it's going uh, that great. I don't know that we're going to get anywhere. I don't even know what to expect of it, but I'm hoping to get a little inside baseball here from our man, Steve Moore, former White House economist. Steve Moore, welcome, sir. Hey, Rich. Great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, sir. Thank you. So I'm looking at this, and I know McCarthy seems like he's he's made some political statements. Uh, I heard a clip of him saying, look, we're going to try and be fair here. Seems like he's on the level, on the up and up. Biden seems to not want to budge. How do you think this works out? What's your take on what happened today? Well, you know, I think that this was the first round of a 12-round prize fight, you know, so they're just kind of feeling each other out in the ring. So not much really happened today. But, Rich, I think the main point I want to get across loud and clear to your listeners is that, you know, there's no been no president in modern times who even comes close to Joe Biden in terms of his financial recklessness. And this is a president who has come. And by the way, you know, I work for Donald Trump, and so I'm obviously biased. I think Trump was a great president when it came to the way he handled our economy. Just amazing the things that happened. Uh, Obviously, COVID changed things pretty dramatically. Trump, Mm -hmm. you know, for all his virtues, in my opinion, you know, for what he did on trade policy and tax policy and energy policy and uh, making America great again, you know, he he too liked to spend money. So he was not uh, without any kind of blame here. But then Biden comes in and spends four point two trillion trillion with a T in his first two years above, you know, what we normally spend, which is already too much rich, you know, yeah. above the five trillion we already spent. And so, you know, when Biden and I don't know if you've seen this, Rich, because I just my it makes my blood boil. If you heard just this line by Joe Biden that he has reduced the deficit by 1.4 trillion. Have oh, you heard him goodness. say that? I, I hear it all the time. <laughs> he must say it every day. Now, I just want to explain to your listeners 
what he means by that. And they can Please. decide for themselves. You all can decide for yourself if you think that's an honest statement or a dishonest statement. So he came in. Remember, the first thing he did is he passed a $2 trillion spending bill. Remember that in his first few oh, months? Yeah. You know, after we'd already, you know, deluged the economy with with spending under under Trump, so we did. The last thing we needed was more spending. So they they dump 1.9 trillion dollars in with their quote American Recovery Act, and they spend you know the trillion, and and so the budget goes through the roof, and the deficit goes through the roof. So in 2021, we spent two. We borrowed two. Are you ready for this, Rich? 2.8 mm-hmm. trillion. 2.8 trillion dollars in 2000. Uh, 21 were the worst years in American history in terms of uh, debt and both in terms of his percentage of our output and his total amount of dollars. So then in his second year in office, he borrows another 1.4 trillion, which is still a god awful massive amount of money. Remember there are 12 zeros uh, after, you know, um, you know, 1 trillion. Um, and so um, then he says, Aha! Uh-huh. I've reduced the deficit by 1.4 trillion because my first year I spent was 2.8 trillion, and now we're quote only spending 1.4 trillion. So he's added 4.2 trillion. He's running around like he's a he's a you know champion deficit cutter. Uh, we have got to. It's it's very easy, Rich. We have got to get this debt and this overspending under control, or we're a locomotive going right off a financial cliff. And I think most of your listeners understand that you can't keep doing this. You can't keep borrowing one and a half to two trillion dollars a year and expect for that to have a happy ending. So, yes, we have to have major budget reform. Now, Steve Moore, something else he does, I think, along the same vein is, you know, whether it's on gas prices or on inflation, he'll say, oh, look, this went down a point. This went down a point. This went yeah, down right. a point. But it's, you know, it's five times or, you know, maybe like double exactly. uh, what it was when he came into office. So he makes it sound like it's a good thing, but it's not really a good thing. I don't understand well, how give, the media doesn't call him example. out. Yeah, let me give you an example of exactly what you mean. So remember in the summer when inflation hit nine to 10 percent. And yep. by the way, don't forget, you know what the inflation rate, Rich, what the month Trump left office was? It was something like 4% or 3, 3 point something? Oh, no, 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 you're not even close. One point. Oh, no, 2.5. Oh, wow. One, 1.5. 1.5% inflation was the, was the number when Trump entered, I mean, left office. And we went in 12, 18 months from 1.5% inflation to 9% inflation under Biden. So we had this massive increase in, in the inflation rate. And now it's come down. It's come down to, you know, probably in the 4 to 5% range in recent months. And now he's like celebrating that, oh, the gas price, which went up to, remember at one point it went up to five to $6 a gallon. Yeah. And then it fell to uh, something like, you know, I think the latest I saw nationally is about three fifty nine a gallon or so. But that compares with two fifty nine a gallon when Trump left office. Yeah, so still about a dollar higher. paying a dollar a gallon more than we were. But this is to be celebrated in the Biden economy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I think that the part of the problem is, A, he says what he wants and he gets away with everything. And I think the other part of it is, how do we, and again, I don't think there's a silver bullet. You know, if you knew, you'd probably be um, a trillionaire. Uh, but how do we get politicians to spend less? Well, I think we have to, as Americans, you know, the reason I love to do your show, Rich, is you reach Americans all over the country, people who mm-hmm. care about our country, and that's why they listen to your show. We have to, you know, we have to, rise in revolt against what's happening. I mean, obviously, you know, 
in a very peaceful way, but we have to make it known to these politicians that this is unacceptable, that we care about our kids and grandkids. By the way, you know, I'm 62 years old. I'm not going to pay out. You think I'm going to pay this debt? I'm not going right. to pay it. It's, it's my kids are going to pay it. My kids' kids. And so this is the ultimate form of just passing on all our costs to our kids. You know, normally what you try to do is pass on assets to your kids, right? <laughs> a home or, a, you know, a nest egg. We're doing the opposite as a country. We're, we're not passing on assets to our kids. We're passing on debt to our kids. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable the way that works out. Folks, I want to remind everybody, we're on with Steve Moore, president of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. And listen, if you are not signed up for Steve Moore's uh, newsletter, which goes out all the time, it's excellent. It's got the best uh, uh, points on the latest in the economy. You got to sign up for it. Steve, let them know how they can get it. Oh, and by the way, you left out the most important point, Rich. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. I'm not, free. <laughs> I'm not selling anybody anything. If they, I just would like people to be informed. And, you know, we just have little bull, five little bullet points every morning. And uh, my uh, good friend and the guy I really respect, Newt Kinrich, uh, you know, says, Steve, I read this thing first thing every morning. So you can read it in five minutes. And just go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity website and sign up for free. And, and we will get it to you five mornings a week in your email. So, uh, yeah, we're in a financial a bit of a financial crisis and it feels like, you know, there's too many politicians who think we can just keep on doing this year after year after year. And I'm telling you, it's, you know, at some point it's going to crash. I don't know if it's going to be next month or next year or two years from now, but, and then we're going to say, gee, what happened? Do you remember what happened in 2008? Rich, sure. when how quickly the, the economy just crashed very quickly. I, I, and God they forbid pumped that cash in again yet again. For, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of the, the problem we have and how we've gotten to where we are now. That's become the, the remedy. So uh, straight ahead, we're going to take a break in about uh, 20 seconds. But I want to um, frame uh, the next uh, question or topic, which is um, Jerome Powell, the Fed interest rate hike and how that's going to affect the, um, I guess, uh, inevitable recession. And will it feel like a recession or is it just going to feel like a like a, just a bad day. So we'll get your take on that and more straight ahead, folks. Again, we're on with Steve Moore, uh, former White House economist with President Trump. He's also president of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Make sure you go to that website to sign up for their newsletter. And there's more to come straight ahead, plus your calls, 833-4-VALDES, 833-4-V-A-L-D-E-S. And uh, we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. So lately, I've been on a mission to change the way people view their finances and to encourage people to overcome obstacles and adversity. It's just more and more important to me every day. So I've teamed up with the folks at Life Surge. Life Surge is a one-day faith-based event where you'll walk in hungry for success and you'll leave ready to build your resources to leave an impact on others. We're talking faith-fueled finance, growing resources, crushing obstacles, and then, yeah, using it all for something way bigger than yourself. I'll be joining Life Surge in Cincinnati on Saturday, August 3rd. Joining me in Cincinnati is Nick Vujicic, the man with no arms or legs that speaks about his trials and triumphs, soul surfer and author Bethany Hamilton, Duck Dynasty's Willie Robertson, and author and pastor Craig Groeschel, star of CNBC's The Prophet, Marcus Lemonis, and Bethel Music. That's Life Surge, Cincinnati, on Saturday, August 3rd. Tickets are on sale exclusively at lifesurge.com. 
I hope to see you there. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Today, the FOMC raised our policy interest rate by 25 basis points. We continue to anticipate that ongoing increases will be appropriate in order to attain a stance of monetary policy that is sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2%. All right, so that's Jerome Powell. Nobody delivers bad news like he does, right? <laughs> he doesn't even tell you to sit down. Just we're going to raise it another quarter point over here. Uh, that's the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, saying that we are raising interest rates at the Federal Reserve. And um, our guest is Steve Moore. You know him as a White House economist during the Trump administration. He's also president of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Steve Moore, what say you with respect to this latest uh, increase? I think we're expecting this one and maybe one or two more into March. Is that correct? Uh, well, this was kind of what was expected. They raised rates again by a quarter percentage point, And this was, I think, their seventh Seven increase okay. in a row, seven or eight, maybe. I don't remember yeah. exactly. So, um, yeah, I liked what he said today. Listen, the job of the Federal Reserve Board is to create a stable currency. You know, that's why you have a currency is so that it retains its value and it's a medium of exchange. And if you have a currency that's, you know, becomes like the peso where it just keeps inflating away, nobody's going to use it and it's going to lose its value. Right. So, uh, we, as I mentioned just earlier on the show, you know, we had. An inflation rate that went up to nine percent under Biden, which was a disaster. You know that was the highest inflation rate we had since the 1970s. Um, and so the Fed has done the right thing in terms of bringing this um, inflation down. But I want to make sure that your listeners understand the major, what I call the match that lit this forest fire of high inflation. Rich, you Joe know Biden. what it is. It was runaway inflation. I mean, runaway spending by sure. government. And it was like, you you know, I, I'm privileged to have known Milton Friedman, the greatest economist of the last 75 years. He How died cool is that? Uh, about 15 years ago. But I, I was really proud to have known him. And he and I talked every now and then. And, uh, you know, he used, he's very famous for saying inflation is just too many dollars chasing too few goods. So when you create more dollars by spending the government spending money with what I call helicopter money, Rich, it was like they were printing yeah. hundred dollar bills and then taking them out in helicopters and dropping out of the window. Well, what's that going to do to the currency? It's going to mm-hmm. mean inflation is high. Now, who got that wrong? Jerome Powell did. Remember? Oh yeah, remember transitory. Term? Remember the term <laughs> transitory? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was going to be transitory. It was going to go away, and then it kept getting worse and worse and worse. So the Fed screwed it up in two thousand. Uh, 22, uh, you know, first half of 20, uh, second half of 21 and first half of 22. But they finally have seemed to get, uh, you know, some control of the 
you know, money supply through raising rates, but it's not going to go away if we don't get the spending down. And, you know, I never really answered your question, Rich, about what sure. is happening between Biden and um, McCarthy, who's now the the uh, speaker, speaker of the House. Republicans cannot fold on this. I feel very strongly about this. You know, basically, Biden's saying, I'm not going to negotiate. We're just going to keep spending and borrowing a trillion and a half dollars a year for the next 10 years. No, we can't do that. That's a disaster. And I think, you know, and I'm not a huge, you know, I, I know Kevin McCarthy and, you know, I don't feel strongly one way or the other about him. But I will say this, that he's doing the right thing, saying, no, we're not going to raise right. the debt ceiling until we have a plan to deal with the debt. You know, and this has been a, a pet peeve of mine, observing politics for a number of years now. I, I've never had a legitimate answer other than they suck. Uh, as to why they use continuing resolutions all the time and never, ever pass a balanced budget. Uh, I'm sure there's an official answer somewhere, but I think they're just really bad at their job. What say you? Well, number one, we need a balanced budget amendment, right? We need a constitutional amendment that requires them to balance the budget because guess what, Rich? I know this is going to shock you, but politicians love to play Santa Claus, right? They love to spend money. And Republicans do almost as much as Democrats do. So that's it's in their nature, you know? And so uh, if we as citizens don't take back the power, we're going to have a government that grows and grows and grows and grows. And, of course, the government doesn't create any wealth. I love this idea. I don't even know where this idea came from. That government is a stimulus to the economy. No, it's right. not. How? Government <laughs> spending, all the government spending does is stimulate more government. And we have plenty of that now. Uh, we have to downsize and shrink the government so we can grow our private businesses and our private incomes. And, uh, you know, I've, I've never seen anything like it. I'll, I'll give you one statistic that will blow you away, Rich. I, mm-hmm. I came to Washington in 1984. I uh, had the privilege of working for Ronald Reagan when I was a you know, young, pimply-faced kid. Um, but, you know, so I was in 84. Do you know what the debt – just take a guess what the debt was in 1984. I don't know. Was it a trillion dollars yet? Well, pretty close. Well, about a tr- $1.5 trillion wow. in 1984. Now, here we are, you know, 30-some years later, not 1.5, 31.5. Mm-hmm. Scary. <laughs> Wake up, America. This is not a fire drill. I mean, this is not. Yeah, this is the real thing. Ultimately, the money becomes worthless if we continue to spend a trillion dollars a year. Then what? Yeah, I, you know what I say to my friends, you know, on the left. So we can, you know, have you ever heard of a term, Rich, called modern monetary theory? Oh, sure. That's uh, like the cousin, the evil cousin of uh, quantitative easing. <laughs> exactly. It's basically <laughs> saying. You know, these these crazy economists, these left wing economists who said we could just we're America. We can just spend and borrow as much money as we want. That's like saying you know, you give a kid a credit card or, you know, you can just go out and spend as much on that credit card as you want. Don't worry about it. And we have done that. And again, this just you don't have to be an economist, folks. You don't have to be a genius you know, to understand that this is wrong. It's morally wrong. It's financially wrong. It's hurting our children. It's hurting our country. And somebody has to explain Show me one country in the world that ever did this where it had a happy ending. Yeah, lamentably, there's no examples of that. Uh, folks, yeah, we're on with yeah. Steve Moore. He's president of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, and the website is uh, committeetounleashprosperity.com. He's also a former White House economist with uh, President Trump, and he worked uh, with, with uh, Art Laffer and, and Ronald Reagan uh, back in the 80s, which is really cool. And uh, Steve Moore... 
Well, actually, I was going to go to a call because we have a call that has a question for you. But what we'll do is we'll take a break now. We'll come back to that call. So, folks, don't go anywhere. Your calls and more up next with Steve Moore from the Committee to Unleash Prosperity.com. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. With Rich Valdez. We both have different perspectives on this, but uh, I thought this was a good meeting. We promised we would continue the conversation. We'll see if we can get there. I think at the end of the day, we can find common ground. All right, that's Speaker McCarthy uh, doing his best to get Joe Biden to stop spending. Hopefully there's a 12-step program. My name is Joe Biden. I got, I got hairy legs, and I love to spend. Let's see what happens. Let's go to your calls, 833-4-VALDES. Our guest is Steve Moore. He's president of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. And let's see, we got calls from New Jersey and Atlanta. And let's go to the uh, Atlanta caller. He's been on hold a little longer. Todd in Atlanta, WGKA. Welcome. You're on with Steve Moore and Rich Valdez. Yes, uh, good evening, gentlemen. Um, I don't know what you're worried about. I mean, printing money's worked out so well in Venezuela and Zimbabwe, right? (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're having to raise the debt because of that uh, Inflation Induction Act that they passed. And I think they should start with getting rid of that. It's my understanding that a Podesta is in charge of part of it and that Pelosi and John Kerry, their relatives, are also involved in this Green New Deal slush fund. And my question to you is about the interest on the debt and how that's going to impact us. I know that um, in, right now, every American share is just under $250,000 of the debt. But how is that going to impact our military and everything else that we depend on? Thank you, Todd. I appreciate it. Steve Moore? Well, this gentleman obviously knows a lot about what he's talking about because you're exactly right, sir. And, yeah, it is. I mean, we shouldn't. I don't know if I should laugh or cry when he talks about Argentina and Venezuela because this is, you know, this has been the pattern. This is it's real. You know, we're, America is the greatest nation on earth and we are the strongest economic superpower. But if you go throughout history, you know, most great, you know, um, you know, empires were destroyed from within, not from without, you know, right. not from enemies, you know. And so, you know, we're going to destroy our country from within if we continue these um, absurd policies. Now, uh, you asked about the interest. It's a really good point because, you know, who is the largest debtor in the world? Oh, yeah, the United States government is. So what do you think every time the Fed is raising interest rates, what they're doing is mean is saying, oh, guess what? The bonds that we issue, we're going to we're going to pay even higher interest rates on. So what does that do, Rich? It increases the size of the deficit. Mm-hmm. So in other words, like every time they raise an interest rate by a percentage point because our debt is $30 trillion, that raises the debt by another trillion. So we're like a tiger chasing its tail. Yeah. this is, and, and this is, uh, again, the problem. And I feel like sometimes it's like this uh, this idea that, you know, 
I'm smoking something, right? That I think that we're going to get politicians that'll actually stop spending and reduce the size of government. And, you know, I started out in this thinking, yeah, we'll get there. And now I think, I don't know that we'll get there. <laughs> I think now we just got to make sure we fight the other side as opposed to trying to actually make some sort of meaningful change. Because lamentably, it's like once you get to Washington, this is the uh, the mother's milk of uh, of politicians. Well, you know, there are 49 states that have balanced budget requirements. Did you know that, Rich? 49 no, states. At the state level? 50. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. So if they can balance the budget, why can't we do it in Washington? From your lips to God's ears. Steve Moore, <laughs> I want to I, I wanna bring in Rick in Elmwood Park, New Jersey on WFAS, my flagship, uh, who is um, wanting to make a comment on uh, the economic impact of climate policy. Rick, welcome. You're on with Steve Moore and Rich Valdez. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, we can save trillions of dollars and millions of human and animal lives if we just end the whole global warming scam, which I can debunk in 30 seconds if you want. I'll give you 15. Go for it. Okay, from 1945 to 1979, 1998 to 2015, and 2016 until now, average global temperature fell. And CO2 is going up. So there you go. CO2 doesn't mm-hmm. control the temperature. Yeah, it's a good point, Rick. And and I think it opens the door to a larger conversation about how so many uh, posit that the Green New Deal is really a uh, Trojan horse to change the way our economy works. Steve Moore, your reaction? Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I look, I'm not a climate scientist, so I'm not going to get into the a debate about the science of climate change. I will simply say... If if the left is right, if Al Gore is right, that mm. and John Kerry right, that you know we're facing a you know a warming temperature, then we're really screwed because none of none of the steps that the government is taking is going to change the temperature of the planet. You know, is there anybody out there who really believes that we're going to save the planet with windmills, Rich? Right. I mean, isn't that the dumbest thing you've ever heard? So you know mm. we're we're in big trouble if if they're right. Um, and this gentleman is. A hundred percent correct. I'll tell you how we can save three hundred billion, not million, three hundred billion dollars right off the top. You ready? We get rid of, as Rich, as Rick was saying, get rid of the three hundred billion dollar green energy slush fund that is just money that Biden is going to send out to his environmental friends and his left wing groups. Three hundred billion dollars. We don't, we can't afford it. We don't need it. So when Biden says, "Tell me what you're going to." Okay, we're going to cut that. And you know, a second thing we're going to cut, um, we are going to cut the $45 billion Biden wants to spend to hire 80,000 new IRS agents. I said, hell no to that. That's the last thing we need is 80,000 more IRS snoops. No way. I'm with you on that one. Folks, we're on with Steve Moore, president of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Check out the website, committee to unleash prosperity dot com. Uh, when we come back, Steve's going to tell us a little bit about the committee. And uh, we're going to wrap up this wonderful uh, interview because uh, it's been enlightening. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at night with Rich Valdez. 
All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez. That's Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Our guest is Steve Moore, former White House economist and president of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Steve Moore, in uh, in our wrap-up, I wanted to uh, for you to explain to everybody what you're doing at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Well, thanks, uh, Rich. This was a group that was started. Are you ready for this? Uh, but with uh, there's four of us who started this group. Uh, Steve Forbes, the great uh, presidential candidate, who was sure. uh, the man who uh, really brought forward the flat tax, which I love that idea. Me too. Uh, and then uh, the second one is Art Laffer, uh, who really was Reagan's chief economist and was the inventor of the Laffer curve. And then we have Larry Kudlow. Who uh, sure. is was you know chief economist for uh, Donald Trump and helped really build that great economy and myself and people say we're the four supply side Beatles and I say well I'm Ringo I, I bang on the drums they make the great music <laughs> um, so you know what we try to do is just um, advance sound economic policies that will make this country richer and more prosperous for everyone and that means you know, we need school choice uh, we need to make sure that education dollars chase you know follow the families and the parents, not the, not the, you know, uh, teachers unions. We need uh, to be cutting, we need a flat tax. I mean, can you imagine how much our economy would grow if we had the flat tax? We need to get our budget under control. We need, you know, uh, we, the biggest cancer cell in our economy right now is the government is way, way too big. Mm-hmm. And if we could shrink the size of government, so the government isn't stimulating the economy, it's destimulating the economy. Right. It weighs us down. Now, Steve Moore, yeah. in the two minutes we have left, I really want to get your take yeah. on this uh, because um, I had Steve, um, uh, Steve Forbes on the show, um, I don't know, a few months ago. He made a brilliant, yeah. brilliant point about going back to the gold standard. And uh, this is an idea that I, I think I support, but I've always felt it's too difficult to implement. And he said, oh, no way. We could do it. It's not that hard. We can get it done. And I loved his optimism. Uh, but what's your thought on that in a minute and a half? Oh, I like the idea a lot. I mean, I think we've got to have a stable currency. Now, a gold standard would certainly be an improvement over what we have right now. But anything that anchors our currency so that it doesn't you know, fluctuate like it has. I mean, when you've got the Fed allowing the the inflation rate go nine percent, got a big problem. You know, Houston, we got a problem. So right. yeah, I love the I, I love the flat tax. I love the gold standard. I love the idea of um, you know having a balanced budget requirement. And these things are pretty obvious, I think, to any sensible American. And then you ask, why is it all happening? Because we keep electing these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we keep electing the people who give us these massive deficits. It's time to get rid of the rascals. That's why I've always been a big supporter of term limits as well. Brother, you're you're preaching uh, to the choir here. Between term limits and the balanced budget amendment and the flat tax, I- I'm all in on all of that because I think right. that's I part it. of the prescription. That's the prescription to, to give my kids in America like the one I had. And unless yep. we do that. I think we're kind of screwed, and I hate to say that on the radio because there's a lot of people listening, but uh, it's not encouraging if we have the same crowd, the same cast of characters in Washington. Yeah. Well, there's no saying if you're in a ditch, stop digging. (laughs) (laughs) Outstanding. Steve Moore, president of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, the website committeetounleashprosperity.com. Steve Moore, I am uh, grateful that you spent some time with us tonight. And oh, let me remind everybody to get his uh, newsletter. I check it out as often as I can. I see it in my inbox. Always has some great bullet points, some of the best stories of the day. 
and who better than those four horsemen that he mentioned earlier to get your economic advice from. So check it out at the committee to unleash prosperity.com. Steve Moore, final word. Uh, thanks for having me, Rich. And uh, thanks for preaching the gospel every night. You know, now let's hope the politicians are listening. <laughs> uh, amen to that. If not, hopefully the people listening will hold their feet to the fire. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Have Steve Moore. You too, brother. Take care. God bless. Keep up the good work. And, uh, we have lots of great guests on this program, um, not the least of which is Steve Moore. And if you've missed any of the interviews that we've done, you've got to check out the podcast. Now, listen, I've been doing a podcast for years uh, called This Is America. but we all, That's a weekly podcast, but we also have a daily podcast of this program. Check it out, America at Night, Rich Valdez. It's on the Apple uh, podcast um, platform. It's also on Spotify. I encourage you to listen to it. I think you're really going to enjoy some of these conversations. Anyway, don't go anywhere. We're just getting started with hour number two coming up straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about this news person that got busted with child porn. I'm Rich Valdez. More to come straight ahead. city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And our telephone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And if you want to chime into the uh, late-night town hall forum that we have here, you're welcome to do so. We welcome your calls, both the ones that are nice and the ones that even are not so nice. I'm, I'm happy to take those. Uh, if you disagree with something that we're talking about or have a different perspective, it's welcomed. And I want to, before we get into the next guest uh, who will be discussing school safety and issues related to that, I wanted to talk about this headline that I saw because I, I think we don't spend enough time on this stuff. And in particular, it's because I think it's it's taboo and, and we just, um, we kind of turn a blind eye to it uh, a lot of times. I think the media turns a blind eye to it. So therefore, if they're not covering it, we're not hearing about it. But there's a story uh, out today. Former ABC News producer who went missing, quote unquote missing, in 2022 was arrested for transportation of child pornography. Now, I found this interesting because a couple of years ago, uh, maybe a year ago, there was a story about uh, a CNN producer that was involved in some nefarious activity with a woman that he was trying to date or was dating and then ended up getting involved with that woman's like nine-year-old child. And, And I'm just wondering, is this one of those things like... And forgive me, I know people are going to get mad at this, but I know that there are people who become clerics, priests, uh, because of their desire to molest children, right? Uh, that's a thing. That's why it's, it's so scandalous. And and I know the church has worked very hard to, to try to fix that. And in some instances, probably covered it up to, to save face. But I feel like, is, is this something that's part and parcel with the news industry too, that we just didn't know about? Is, is there like a bunch of weirdos? Is this where they go to work? 
Like, are they here amongst us? You know, uh, I don't think uh, that anybody in, in the studio I'm in is involved in this nefarious activity. But uh, again, you don't know until you know. And I don't mean these guys, but I mean Jason, uh, James Gordon Meek, the ABC News producer who made headlines last year when he reportedly went missing. Now, the FBI was seen raiding his Virginia home and he was arrested on charges related to the transportation of, quote, Images depicting the sexual abuse of children, end quote. And that was according to the Department of Justice earlier today. And I think this is something that we should, uh, again, I think we need to look at this stuff. Now, according to the announcement, Meek was taken into custody on Tuesday after the FBI uh, field office in Washington, their uh, Child Exploitation and Human Trafficking uh, Task Force, had received an investigative lead, which ultimately led to a court-authorized search of the investigative journalist's residence back in April of 22. Here, law enforcement officers seized multiple devices that allegedly contained evidence of the transportation of images of child sexual abuse, including children as young as toddlers. This is not some... I don't think you do this on your own. I'm losing words here because I'm getting angry. But this isn't the type of thing that you, oh, that guy was involved in whatever. No, 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 this is not a, a cell operation. You don't get child porn by yourself. You've got to get it for some other weirdo who's taping it and selling it and doing it. And this is why I think it's so important for us to pay attention to this because you don't know who these weirdos are. Just a week ago, we heard about those two dads, the uh, gay couple in Florida that were abusing their own adopted kid and selling it and pimping the kid out as a prostitute. The kid was in third grade. I mean, this stuff is crazy. Now, back to this story. Um, they uh, they seized some conversations, and the username that was associated with this guy, Meek, was Pawnee number four, P-A-W-N-Y, the number four, received and sent child sexual abuse material. It goes on. When the investigators refused, uh, excuse me, reviewed the content of the ABC producer's iPhone 8, former ABC producer, they allegedly discovered messages between him and someone he allegedly exchanged child sexual abuse material with in what uh, appeared to be a confession from him to sexually abusing a child. And that was reported by Rolling Stone. Have you ever raped a toddler girl? It's amazing. This is a quote. And he allegedly wrote that quote, on the messaging platform Kick. And this is some sick stuff. And this is all in the FBI's uh, release. Uh, the affidavit that allegedly uh, claims that uh, Meek, excuse me, allegedly sent a video depicting an infant being brutally raped as they loudly cried and screamed. That's according to the affidavit. He allegedly sent that same video in a different conversation with another person. This is some sick stuff. I mean, how do you, uh, there's no way to reconcile this. There's no, oh, I made a mistake. No, sir. Not at all. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Mr. Meek, the accused, is the father of two daughters, ages 15 and 19, according to a report from the Daily Mail. After the raid on his Arlington home, he hadn't been seen until November when he was spotted at his his mom's house in McLean. And in December, the, the feds announced they'd be prosecuting him, but didn't make the details of the case public until today. 
Speculation surrounding his mysterious disappearance included theories centered around a book he co-authored with retired Green Beret Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann on Biden's botched military pullout of Afghanistan. After the FBI raid and his subsequent disappearance, he has wiped everything uh, off of everything. He's gone from everything. He's not on the promo materials or social media associated with the book or anything else, uh, which was Operation Pineapple Express, the incredible story of a group of Americans who undertook one last mission and honored a promise in Afghanistan. Man, very, very difficult to, to read this stuff. Now, if convicted, man faces a mandatory minimum of five years and a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison. Now, I don't like these ugly stories. I really don't. But again, we got to talk about this stuff because if we're not talking about it, who is? I mean, this is the type of stuff that I think gets swept under the rug all too often. And lamentably, uh, we look at it like, oh, well, that's a one-off. There's one less weirdo to worry about. And I think maybe there's a lot of weirdos. And maybe we just need to be really vigilant and make life very difficult for people like this. So that they can't just operate and we can't make excuses for them and give them a a pass and say, oh, they have a mental illness or they have this or they identify as a that or they're this or it's human rights or whatever it is. We have to call these dangerous people what they are. And if it wasn't for the fact that I read up about Dr. Alfred Kinsey or this other doctor that we've uh, listened to on this program, Dr. Uh, Gadjasek, the uh, what was his name, Daniel Carlton Gadjasek, who who admitted to raping three to 400 boys. I've played that audio here. It's, it's a very disturbing clip of audio where he says, you know, if you're not participating in the intergenerational sex in your own family, helping your parents in the bedroom with sex, that somehow you're not doing it right. And again, uh, it's, it's mind blowing. And this is a problem that goes back into the 50s as far as I can tell. I mean, I'm sure it happened before the 50s back in ancient Greece. But my point is, it seems to be a recurring thing. Now, do I believe we can eradicate people who do these bad things? No, I don't. I don't believe that we can eradicate them, but I think we can make it really difficult for them and scare the crap out of them. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I totally believe that they have to do it. I think they do it because they think they can get away with it. But what do I know? Maybe we should uh, contact um, our good friend, Dr. Carol Lieberman, who's an expert uh, psychiatrist for things like this. Maybe she could break it down for us. Uh, but one more headline before I, I move on to the next topic, and we welcome in our guest uh, at the bottom of the hour. A man in Vicksburg gets a $9.5 million bond for child porn. Listen to this one. The Vicksburg Police Department arrested Carl Smith. Again, this is today, Wednesday, 29 years old of Vicksburg. Smith is charged with 10 counts of possession of child pornography and two counts of sexual battery. He appeared before Judge Penny Lawson at the Vicksburg Municipal Court, and he was uh, bound over to the Warren County Grand Jury on a $9.5 million bond. Thank God it's you know something that seems somewhat unattainable. Hopefully uh, he won't make the bond. Maybe he does make the bond, whatever. My point is, at least they're taking it seriously. And, and they're holding people accountable. And I think you have to do that. Because if you don't, where do we go from here? Right? It's kind of like the reckless spending in Washington, uh, you know, times a million. Carry the four. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to point those out to you. I know that uh, you all have many different opinions on that. If you want to share those, 833-4-VALDEZ is the number, 833-482-5337. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked right here. We're going to get into that school uh, uh, safety scenario 
at the bottom of the hour and some of your calls straight ahead. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. is America. This is night. This is Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. I want to talk about the border a little bit before we get into the school safety issue, but we also have some calls on the topic uh, from the previous segment, so we're going to get to those as well. I want to go to Dallas, Texas, K-L-I-F. Let's go to Jimmy. What's up? Welcome. Hi, Rich. If our alleged government wants somebody eventually assassinated because they're uh, a reporter who knows too much, blah, 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 uh, what better way to do it than with a child porn charge? Yeah, well, I think a lot of better ways to do it. Um, You know, poison, drive-by shooting, mugging. Look at Seth Rich, right, the guy who worked at the the DNC and uh, was involved with the, um, the servers and whatever, and next thing you know, the guy got mugged somewhere in D.C. He was dead. They're like, he got mugged, but they didn't steal anything, but he's dead. And, you know, and I don't mean to make light of his death, but uh, listen, they, they didn't put child porn on Kennedy. They didn't put child porn on Lincoln. I think there's a lot of ways to kill people, and, um, and, and it doesn't have to be this way. But I get your point that, you know, you could you could really damage someone by by planting this type of evidence and whatnot, and I don't put anything past anybody. So I, I get the point. I just think there's definitely better ways that are easier. Um, but this is probably one of the best ways to destroy someone's credibility and, and just get everybody to hate them. That's for sure. Uh, but interesting point, Jimmy. Thank you for tuning in from KLIF. I appreciate that. Uh, let's do another one. Jenny in Paris, Tennessee, WCMT. Hey, Jenny, welcome. Thank you very much for taking my call. Uh, Regarding your comments uh, about all this uh, child pornography and everything, you know, a lot of people, we don't hear much in the real news, I'm going to say, the major news. But in in news publications everywhere, and I haven't looked on the Internet because I'm not much of an Internet person at all, but... You know, they are sexualizing our children in the public school system, you know, Mm -hmm. by teaching them, you know, really, basically what they're teaching them is that any kind of sex is all right. Sex with anything. It's that the whole thing is just pleasure. Yeah, and I know it's, that's, it's more. That's what it's they're not doing. rampant in. It's not rampant in Tennessee, Rich. Let me say that at least that we have been able to discover. But you know, some places like you know California, Washington State, we're hearing a lot of uh, a lot of news about this kind of stuff in the school system. But uh, our governor isn't for that, and he has put that stuff down. And I, I understand other states have, but this is what they're doing. They're sexualizing their children, just and that lays the children wide open for more of this. Yeah, well, I think you, you bring up a, an important point, and one that we hear all too often. And I think it has a lot to do with how um, lax people have become with accepting a lot of just different ideas. And I'm not saying we should be intolerant, but I am saying uh, we should be intolerant towards those that uh, you know abuse children for sure. 
But when you have, um, you know, earlier I mentioned a story, and I was going to talk about it at, at the midnight hour, but I can, you know, give a little bit of a tease of it here. And the the headline is transgender person is charged with indecent exposure. And the, you know, the sub headline here says that Caitlyn Jenner says tran- the transgender community needs to have some discretion because a trans woman, which means a biological male, was charged with three counts of indecent exposure after women complained of a naked man walking around the women's locker room of a YMCA uh, gym locker room in Ohio. And uh, and there's more to that story, and I'll, I'll cover it more in, in hour number three, but I, I bring it up because I think it's in line with what you're saying, where we're teaching children that anything is okay, anything goes. Uh, if you want to be a boy, you should consider being a girl, right? I don't even think they tell you if, you, if you're a boy, you're a boy. I don't think that's even part of the discussion. I think it's this constant barrage of, well, you put these teachers that have blue and purple hair in the classroom with them in kindergarten, and they start to tell them things like, listen, uh, I'm I'm this and they and that. And I had some audio the other day. Um, maybe we'll, we'll run it a little bit later. But it's a clip of a teacher who's teaching her class by way of a puppet. She's using the puppet as a, as a learning aid and as a visual aid. And... And she's saying, oh, they really like being here. They really like your shirt. They're so happy that you guys are in this class too. And just pushing this idea of pronouns. And again, that's fine until people start asking questions. And are you a whatever? Is that a boy or a girl? And it happens right there in this clip. And she says, well, they uh, feel like they're a kid. They just want to be a kid. And they try to kind of normalize it. And listen, uh, I think it should be normal to be a boy. It should be normal to be a girl when you're in third grade, second grade, first grade, when you're four years old, five years old, six years old, seven years old. We we shouldn't give this type of latitude to children to decide. Uh, you know, we don't have them decide anything else. Why on earth would we have them decide how they want to identify? And since when do we do that? Right. I don't think you did it, Jenny. I know I didn't ever declare what I identified myself as until it started to be a thing. And they started asking me what my pronouns were. So I always joke and I say, el and macho, el macho, because I think it's just uh, it's just beyond the pale. Call me old, but I'm not old. I just think I'm maybe I'm old school or was born in the wrong generation. But you bring up a, a very good point that doing this, um, it, it's a hypersexualization of our children and it's unfair to them. Yeah, but it's also teaching immorality to such a degree. It is so warped and twisted. Yeah. You know? Well, again, uh, 100%, I totally get it. Uh, I think the big issue here is that you can't um, you can't legislate morality beyond like the Ten Commandments, telling people not to kill people and whatnot. And you have some people that are really engaged in this culture war that are saying, well, you know what, we're, we're not going to legislate morality, but we're also not going to allow you to indoctrinate the kids, kind of like uh, Governor DeSantis does in Florida. And kudos to him. And they try to attack him whenever he says, look, we're not going to allow this talk in the classroom about sexuality, you know, other than what's prescribed by the curriculum, um, especially not in kindergarten through third grade. And then they, they turned around and said, that's the don't say gay bill. And they tried to malign him that way. So uh, and again, it's not about him. It, it's more about he's standing up for families and children and and they want to get him out because they want to go after families and children. And I think that's incredibly unfair and it's unfortunate. And Jenny, I thank you for the call from Tennessee on WCMT, great station. Uh, Thank you for that call. I do appreciate it. And 
straight ahead, we're still going to have that discussion about school safety. Uh, I think that's uh, it's an important topic and one that happened uh, on the East Coast, not far from where I am. So I want to dig into that. We're going to do that with Jared Weisfeld. He's coming up next. So don't go anywhere. Keep it locked right here. I am Rich Valdez. This is America at Night. And our phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. And uh, a couple of things I want to mention to you. A, we have Open Phone America coming up at the top of the hour. Do not miss that. I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, We want to have that national conversation that we do every night, which I love. And uh, one of the things we're going to talk about is how a baby was abandoned at an airport as parents tried to make a flight on time. That's kind of crazy. And Another story I'm looking at is how newly released African-American studies course um, guides are now trying to sidestep the um, the Parental Rights Act in education that's coming out of Florida. And in New Jersey, which is very close to where I am, we have a very interesting story where um, Jared Weisfeld – He's the CEO of Objective Entertainment. Uh, he's a concerned parent. And it's a, it's, a, it's a very interesting story to me because it's something you don't hear a lot about this type of thing on how a superintendent at a school wants to use racial equity to justify their inaction to protect students and prevent school violence. And that to me is just like, how do you how do you justify not protecting kids? Jared Weisfeld, welcome, sir. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So I saw this story a, a while back, and, and I wanted to get you on as soon as we could. I know this happened probably about eight weeks ago or so. Tell us exactly how this started. So a child uh, brought a weapon to school. Um, later on that day, he created um, a kill list. Then after that, he wrote on a piece of paper, uh, or he wrote on his Google Chromebook, not killing anyone. And the parents of the child, so in, in class, the kid started jabbing a girl with, uh, with an instrument. Um, and one of the kids said, hey, man, will you please stop? Now, mind you, the kid is the same kid that brought a box cutter into school that morning, which the superintendent called an inappropriate item. And so one kid just said, hey, man, can you please stop? And the kid created a kill list and put him and the girl on it and then wrote on his Google Chromebook later on that day, not killing anyone. Now, you think the parents would have found out, but nope, they did not. They didn't notify anyone but two students. And the one child that helped uh, the girl out, his parents found out because the school told him to go home and tell them. Can you imagine an 11-year-old kid going home to tell his parents he was 11 years old. Wow. 11 years old. And then um, when the parents reached out on Monday, 
they were told simply, uh, oops, we made a mistake. And then the parents said, can you just do us a favor? Can you wow. move the kid out of, out of, out of our son's class? School said, no, we're not going to do that, but we'll move your kid. And the parents were like, yeah, that's not going to happen. So it was a standoff for a while. And the, the Berkeley Heights police department in our town did a fantastic job. And the school district did absolutely nothing. Now, and how, how did the police offered, get involved with the school district? So in New Jersey, well, in our town, the police department is a completely different entity than the school district. Mm-hmm. So the school district um, decides whether or not they want police in the actual um, schools. So for the box cutter incident, the police were called immediately for right. the, uh, for the, the, the kill list, which they put in the, the, the children's face, as well as the Google Chromebook search. They waited 24 hours before they notified the police. Wow. Something that's against protocol and procedures. You would think they would call immediately. Sure. But no. Um, and so the police did the job that the, that the school didn't, which is to protect the children. And so I, I tried to donate an app uh, to the school. Um, it's, it's, it's called Safer, Safer Watch. And what that app does is gives real-time intelligence. You push a button. The police come immediately. There's live video feeds. There's, uh, you know, see something, say something. There's uh, emergency. If somebody gets sick, you push a button. Direct link to everybody. EMS, uh, you save so much time in, in case there's an emergency. And the app was um, turned down because they said I was only giving it to uh, one school and not to uh, every school. So they turned down my donation. And they said it was because of equity because it was only it was only valid for one school and not for others. But it was a pilot program. And the only reason why I was doing it was to see if it worked in the hopes that they would roll it out everywhere, considering they told me they didn't have the funding to purchase it um, themselves. So fast forward, um, I spoke at a board meeting because I said to the school, hey, listen, this incident happened. You need to notify parents. Right. You know, they need to decide whether or not their children are safe at school. Who are you to determine that? Right. It's, it's a parent's right. Like they're the only ones that could determine whether or not they want their child to be at that school. And they told me they wouldn't. And I said, well, if you don't, I will. And so I spoke at a board meeting. I said what had happened. Um, happened to um, Berkeley Heights, Bobby Pierre happened to be at the, the board meeting covering it, Hyperlocal News. And um, they ran a story on it and they saw that what I was saying was, was the truth. And right. the superintendent the, the following day actually came out and said my statement was erroneous, that it wasn't a weapon that was brought to school. However, it was an inappropriate item. Well, last time I checked, a box cutter is a weapon. It was used on 9-11. But now it gets crazier, Rich. Crazier. Mm. So the superintendent in October updated the weapons policy for the school district. Guess so on November 23rd, when she gave her statement to uh, tap into Bobby Pierre Berkeley Heights, guess what she said? It was an inappropriate item. But her weapons policy that she had updated in October. Now includes box cutters. On the website now includes box cutters. <laughs> so I don't know. You tell me. What a coincidence. Exactly. It's a coincidence. So I'm a liar, but you knew I wasn't lying because it, weapons was in your, your policy. So how do you justify calling a parent a liar? Then she was so outraged, Rich. It get, gets even crazier. She decided to leak my unredacted emails to the local paper. 
And now, what were you saying well, in these emails? Exactly. So what I was saying in these emails and why I think she made a calculated error was proving my point. So I said there was a lockdown drill that was unsuccessful at the school. She said, no such thing happened. I wasn't telling the truth. Right. Well, in one of the emails, not only does she say the lockdown drill that I was accurate, but she says the teacher who made the error will never make the same mistake again. (laughs) So she proved my point to the reporter. Right. So I don't know what you have to do in order for a superintendent. There's no accountability in this world anymore. So I don't know what you have to do for a superintendent to be removed from their job. I mean, calling a parent a liar, saying it's not a weapon when it Mm -hmm. is a weapon, right? Leaking emails to the local media. She told, she said where my kids went to school, she gave identifying facts. I mean, I don't know. She probably just woke up in a really bad mood. Uh, but you well, can't do those things, right? There's we, ramifications. we could speculate a lot on that one. I think there's a lot of very dissatisfied, very well-paid uh, administrators in public education in New Jersey. I happen to live in New Jersey. Uh, but, folks, we're on with Jared Weisfeld, and uh, we're going to continue this story straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. Your calls and more on this topic of school safety and turning down uh, his donation for an app that would keep kids safe in the name of equity. 8334 Valdez is the phone number 833 the number 4 followed by 825337 don't go anywhere we're coming right back this is america at night with rich valdez Brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, and our guest is Jared Weisfeld. And we were just talking about a situation uh, that occurred in Berkeley Heights, New Jersey. Uh, but to me, the, this is the, the bigger issue here, the bigger uh, thing to look at. The overarching theme here is how public school administrators in many situations will do absolutely anything to usurp the parental rights and authority of parents. And to me, this is this is a, a sore spot for me. I was a school board member in New Jersey, and I'm a dad of two. And I can tell you, uh, parents have to fight for their rights because if you allow anyone to take away just a little bit of your rights, especially pertaining to your kids, then then it's over. You know, um, you, you lose all sorts of control. And this is when the school will make decisions based on what they think is right for your kid instead of what's, uh, you know, instead of what you think is right for your kid or even including you in the decision-making process. So, Jared Weisfeld, we uh, left off with you um, wrapping up on that story and explaining uh, how uh, the, the, the fact that they had rejected your offer and then they went and lied about you. Yeah, <clears throat> they went and lied about me and um, I kept talking up because – speaking out because I think it's the right thing to do. And you see this all across the country. You see in a tap into Westfield, the town, Westfield, New Jersey. Sure. Um, I know Westfield. Teacher, over, teacher overdosed in the classroom. Wow. Uh, on sentence. Right. I guess who story. didn't find out the parents, you know how the wow. parents found out they found out Stones. by reading it in tap into Westfield. 
Wow. I tell um, you, I've read this tap in too. Uh, and it's a great, very, very local paper that, that really gets to the bottom of things. And thank God for local reporters that actually still report news. Go right You're ahead. 100% right. And so what I decided to do, what my wife and I decided to do since they turned down our donation, we're like, well, we want everybody in the, in the, you know, in, in our town to be able to learn more about school security and school safety. And what better way to do it than through the Berkeley Heights Police Department the ones that actually keep our kids safe. Now, mind you, they would do anything to protect the children. They would love to be in every single school, anywhere they could be, any given time. They'd like to have 20 officers in every school if they could to keep everybody safe. Obviously, that's not feasible. <clears throat> but the point is, is that people need to be educated on school security. And if the school isn't going to do it, then I'm going to. And my wife and I decided the first time actually um, in the country that we decided that we were going to donate an entire school safety education training program to the entire town of Berkeley Heights, where parents, educators, anybody that wants it, the superintendent, anybody that wants to take this course can take this course for free and learn the basics um, of how to, how to keep your, your, you know, your kids safe, things you should look out for. Um, It's, literally followed to a T from the National Sheriff's, Sheriff's Association School Safety uh, Handbook and Guide. It's from St. Leo University. So, oh, so it's not something that you've created. That, it's an existing no, program, and you're just um, uh, sponsoring it. I didn't create anything. All I'm doing is I'm donating to that program because I believe that parents should have the right and say in their ch- children's education, I believe teachers, should be more aware of what's going on. I don't think they're learning enough. I don't think they're given enough access. I don't think parents are. This is my way of saying, you know what? You guys aren't going to do it. I will. And so right. this is me taking matters into my own hands and donating this to my town. And um, through the Berkeley Heights Police Department, we have a chief. He's, the chief is actually dealing with every single, everybody that wants to take this class. He's talking with them directly because that's how much he cares. You know who's not talking to anybody? The, the superintendent. <laughs> superintendent. Nobody. I guarantee you the superintendent isn't happy about this program because now parents are going to be even uh, asking even more questions. Why shouldn't they? Like, let me explain something to you, Rich, right? Mm-hmm. I pay a lot of money in taxes. New Jersey, yeah. you pay a lot of money in taxes. If you're in Jersey, right? you're paying a lot in taxes. <laughs> That's for a sure. A lot in taxes. So I'm going to give you a number. Our school budget is $60 million in our town, 2,500 students, $60 million. How much do you think we give the Berkeley Heights Police Department to protect our kids through an SRO officer? How much do you think we give the school? Uh, how much do you think we give the BHPD for, for an SRO officer? Oh, for one officer? $60 million budget. Uh, yeah, $60 probably $200,000. I wish. I wish. $25,000. Wow. 20, so it's just one cop, cops. not like two cops in a car. No, one SRO officer, $25,000. Wow. It's embarrassing. That's what we think about our kids' safety. We're going to give $25,000. How do you put a value on a kid's life? How do you right. put and a value again, on a teacher's just, life? Just to, to add context to this, you know, you're talking about your town in New Jersey, but we're on national radio, and, and this is not unique. I, there are a lot of places that um, where this is 
it's it's not handled correctly. Even this massacre that we had earlier last year, um, the Uvalde um, shooting, horrible. They had plenty of officers and still mismanaged it because they they operationally it was a failure. So I mean, there's there's something to be said about protecting kids overall, uh, in particular in school settings. I agree. I could tell you the cops in our town are trained like Navy SEALs. That would, uh, if they were in Uvalde, I guarantee you it wouldn't have gone down that way. Um, it's all about the training. Now, I could tell you, like you see the thing in, in Virginia, the six-year-old kid in Virginia that, that came to school and, and shot his teacher. Yeah. There were so many warnings about that kid, um, and they knew that there was a weapon that was being brought to school. Who didn't they call that day to notify that there was a weapon being brought to school? The exactly. police. Right. Jared, hold on right there. We've got to take a quick pause. We'll come right back. We'll wrap that thought up and uh, talk a little bit more about this topic. Folks, we're on with Jared Weisfeld uh, from Objective Entertainment. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, we're on with Jared Weisfeld, CEO of Objective Entertainment. And uh, uh, Jared, you brought up a lot of interesting points, and I think there's an, uh, an important point that we can't miss, which is we have to stay vigilant about keeping our kids safe. Now, earlier you mentioned an app. Um, is this an app that your company created or no? No, I don't. I mean... I have no skin in any of this game. No, it's called Safer Watch. The yeah. NFL used it a couple of years ago in Miami. It's in over 2,500 schools. Um, it was just a. It was an app that Lori Aladef, whose whose child um, passed away in Parkland, uh, was mm. was murdered in that massacre and um, school shooting. And um, she's the one that recommended it to me, and that's why I brought it up at the um, to the superintendent. And uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, I've been, I have literally, um, nothing to do with the school program. I just donated to it. Nothing to do with safer watch. I have no involvement, um, with school education products at all. All I'm trying to do is literally make people aware of, um, things that they could do as parents. Right. And I think we need to literally take our kids safety and education into our own hands. We need to be more proactive. Your voice is your power. Um, yep. That's all we have. And if we keep going to board meetings, right, and we keep speaking up, I know a lot of people don't think that boards are – I mean, you were on, you were on a board. Um, my condolences for that. But, <laughs> yeah, I um, did it for nine years. Actually, great school. It was a charter in Jersey City. And um, thank God we, we had a lot of parental involvement, and it was a different environment. But I know from, from colleagues that it's one of the toughest things that you can do. It's a very difficult proposition. It's very political in many yeah. ways. You're right. And the last time I spoke, you know, after a minute, basically a minute and a half, like I got shut down by their lawyers and I have no idea why turned into a thing. And I just took it and I sat down, was very respectful. I'm not looking for a viral TV uh, moment. What I am looking for is accountability. And if there's no accountability with administrators, how can we hold our kids accountable? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, It's just accountability works both ways. If an administrator messes up, they should be held to the same standard as a child. If a teacher, for example, or, or whoever it is, leaves a door open at a school and somebody comes in, 
right? Mm-hmm. There's really no punishment for that teacher, right? You can't say, but if a kid uh, opens up that door, like that kid's getting suspended or expelled. Right. And Two-way it really street. shouldn't be that way. Yeah, it, it really shouldn't be that way, right? Everybody's life um, uh, in school safety, it matters, yes. And, and that's what people don't understand is, is that teachers themselves want to be better trained. Remember, well, Jared, they're the, they're I'm really the pa- first responders. I want to pause you right there just so we could uh, give out the website because uh, we're out of time. But I want to g- give out the website for your company, even though I know you didn't make any of these things. Um, give you a quick plug. Objective Entertainment. Uh, it's ObjectiveENT.com. Check them out. Jared, thank you for being with us. And I appreciate you speaking out and doing the right thing. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right. Hope to have you back on soon. All right, folks, there is more to come straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. It's Open Phone America, and it starts right now. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. You can feel free to chime in on social media. I uh, get to the comments uh, as often as I can, usually during the break, sometimes afterwards. And we're talking about a bunch of things today, and we'll recap some of that in a moment. But some of the headlines that are going on right now, um, again, the Federal Reserve has hiked interest rates a quarter point. I think this is interest rate hike number eight, and uh, they expect more to come. I think they're going to go through March uh, before they stop. This is one of those situations where got to grin and bear it. I don't think there's any way around it. We're going to get this recession. Hopefully the recession will uh, level out inflation, and then from there we will um, be able to start to make a comeback. But a lot of people aren't very optimistic. Uh, we also had this conversation about this missing ABC News producer who was arrested for transporting child porn and admitting to raping an infant on a on a message on a messenger app called Kick. That was crazy. And uh, we also had a great discussion uh, with uh, Steve Moore on the negotiations between Speaker McCarthy and President Biden. Now, each of them have taken um, their respective positions on saying, you know, uh, Biden says, hey, look, we've got to raise the debt ceiling. Raising the debt ceiling is the number one thing we've got to do uh, in order to, you know, keep the government afloat and keep spending. And um, uh, McCarthy's saying, look, we we can't just keep raising this thing and and we need to have, you know, we have to have a plan here. We can't just do it willy-nilly. So we'll get to that in a little bit in the next segment. Uh, I'll also recap a little bit of our conversation with Steve Forbes there. Uh, we also had a talk about school safety and about protecting children. And that's a big deal. And not just inside the classroom or, or in a public school setting, but also in life, right? There's so many perils I think that children are faced with today that they weren't faced with before. And w- one of the articles I teased earlier 
It was just insane. I want you to listen to this really quick. Uh, New York Post. Baby abandoned at Tel Aviv airport as parents attempted to board flight. This is according to officials at the airport. An infant was abandoned at an airport in Tel Aviv, Israel, by his parents who were trying to board a flight to Belgium where they lived without the kid after they failed to purchase a ticket for the child. Now, the unnamed parents who both had Belgian passports arrived at Ben Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv on Tuesday with their baby planning to board a flight to Brussels, Belgium. However, according to the officials, the family arrived at the terminal late and after their check-in, the the check-in counter had closed, parents were unable or unwilling to buy a ticket for their child so the baby couldn't get on the plane. The mom and dad left the carrier with their baby son next to the check-in counter while they rushed towards security so that they could make the flight on time. What in the world is going on? I mean, I've, I've never, this is like the Home Alone story, but in real life. And it's not Kevin McAllister, who's like 11 years old and is going to give hell to two burglars. This is the real deal. This is an infant and an infant carrier. This baby's under a year old, for sure. I mean, still tiny. A short cell phone video that was reportedly recorded at the airport shows a woman looking at the baby in the carrier and exclaiming in Hebrew, she left him here. And then this woman, you know, identifies to the, to the airport staff and they noticed that this this baby had been abandoned. So um, somebody followed the couple and urged them to return for their son. And then they went to security. The parents um, with the baby were then taken into questioning. And uh, they obviously missed their flight. This is uh, insanity, in my opinion. Um, and again, there, there were all the staffers that were there were in shock. They'd never seen anything like this. Uh, I've never seen anything like this either. How do you say, oh my gosh, we're not going to make it. Leave the kid. How do you do that? And there's got to be something fishy going on here, right? Nobody really leaves their own kid. Who does that? Anyway, I want to get to some of your calls on this topic and some of the other things that we were discussing. Um, Let us go to, let's see here. uh, Frank, there's two Franks. My goodness, which one are we going to go to first? Uh, let us go to Frank in Cumberland, Maryland. looks like he's been on hold a little bit longer. Frank, welcome, sir. Uh, You uh, spoke earlier about child molestation, and Jeffrey Epstein was involved with a ring of uh, child molesters, including some big names like Prince Andrew. And I I wondered, uh, he committed suicide, and then he dropped out of the news. What happened to uh, that Jeffrey Epstein ring? And uh, was anyone caught, and what happened to them? Yeah, well, the only person that they have um, in jail that I know of, and again, that was really publicized here, was um, his his pimp person, you know, the person that he used to lure the people in, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. And um, she she um, is in jail and is still in jail. And there was a story about her about a week ago um, where she was, I forget exactly the, the gist of it, but I think she's going to be in jail for a long time. There's a lot of rumors that she will meet the same fate as as Epstein, but I haven't seen that be the case. I know there's still a lot of talk about Prince Andrew. Um, I don't know uh, the extent of, of everything that's going on with him, but all I can say is he seems like a real weirdo, a real weirdo, and it's amazing that he's still you know out and about. 
um, and uh, his accuser, Virginia Jufre, uh, I know she was seen recently um, shopping in Australia. So um, she's made some public appearance, but I don't know much else about the case. It's a good point. We'll see if there's any good follow-up on it, and we'll keep an eye on it. But it's, in my opinion, thankfully, this guy's gone. And I know there's a lot of people that say, no, he didn't kill himself. Somebody killed him. Probably, especially when you're involved in a ring where people purchase young people, you know, young women, young boys, young whatever, to um, to do whatever it is that they please with them. Um, obviously, I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to cover their tracks and Epstein knew where the bodies were buried. And I would say that this woman, Ghislaine Maxwell, also knows where a lot of these bodies are buried and knows a lot of people's secrets and knows what skeletons are in what closet. And she poses a threat to people. And I'm guessing she's using that leverage uh, as best as she can. But all of it's speculation. So I really couldn't get into it um, in, in, any, um, in any concrete way. I wish I could. And I wish we knew somebody that could really give us the scoop. I wish I could interview uh, Ms. Maxwell and really get the scoop from her. But uh, that doesn't seem to be happening. Now, we're going to continue with your calls and more straight ahead. The phone number is 833-482-5337-8. Three three four Valdez is the phone number, and uh, we're talking about that. We're also going to talk about the border. Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, he um, he's got some just outlandish things that he says, and we're going to play a clip of audio for you because this this man, you know, he, he, he's facing an impeachment. The articles have been filed, and he's just there. And I guess you have to kind of captain goes down with the ship type of attitude. Uh, but the, the stuff that he says, I just think you know, at some point you got to say, you know what? You're right. I'm leaving. I did a bad job and I'm out of here. But no shame in his game. More to come straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez, America at Night, and it's Open Phone America. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Best head of hair in live late night radio six years in a row. It's Rich Valdez. I will try to keep this brief, but I cannot promise there will not be some tears. This is the best job I've ever had. (laughs) And even though it's also the hardest job I've ever had, I will miss this job, our work, this mission, and most of all, this team every single day. All right, folks, that is a teary-eyed Ron Klain, White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain, uh, campaign manager to, what was his name? Al Gore, right? Al Gore a million years ago when he told Al Gore, no, 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 don't concede, don't concede, come back. Come back, we'll say there were hanging chads and we'll contest the whole election uh, back in 2000. Unbelievable. Mr. Ron Klain, the guy's everywhere. And you would think that he's leaving the White House and that this is like a retirement party. No, senor. No, he's not going anywhere. He's now just going to become a member of the swamp in a different way outside of the White House and continue to doing the, the damage that he does. So farewell. Uh, what's a Good riddance to, uh, to Ron Klain. I'm glad he's gone. Now, um, Ron Klain claims that President Biden gave him some really, really good advice on being a dad. And I'm thinking, Hunter Biden's dad? All right. Anyway, listen to this. Okay. 
Well, sometimes the deep state doesn't want you to hear what I want you to hear. So we have to, you know, we have to just um, write these things down so that we know that the deep state's listening. But we have other ways to do it. Check this out. I learned everything I know about how to be a good father from Joe Biden. He is the best father I know and the best role model I know. <laughs> and along the way, he's taught me a thing or two about politics and policy as well. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you're having as much fun as I am. I hope you are. <laughs> Listening to that was great. I would not torture you. I, I'm probably going to listen to this on the break two or three more times just to hear Ron Klain whimpering. Uh, but that's Ron Klain. He's out. Now, I'm going to abruptly switch gears to a, a, a story that's not humorous at all. And it's the story of coming out of Washington, D.C. in a suburb outside of uh, Washington, D.C., Culpeper, where a st students were charged after a 17-year-old overdosed on fentanyl and was revived with Narcan at the school. And that's according to the sheriffs. This is horrible. And, you know, so you got to worry about your kids getting shot in school, uh, box cuttered, <laughs> right, uh, stabbed, sliced, whatever. And now... You got to worry about their classmates selling them the bad stuff. Culpeper County High School student is now jailed with two other teens facing charges after a 17-year-old girl was found unresponsive Monday at Eastern View High School. Now, again, when I read stuff like this, I can't help but think I have a 17-year-old daughter that's in high school. And I read this and I think, oh, my God, this is horrible. I mean, who? this is uh, every parent's worst nightmare. My, my, my heart, my, my thoughts, my prayers go to the, the family of this girl. Uh, teenage girl was given Narcan, a drug used to reverse overdoses, and CPR by school officials and then taken to a hospital. She was conscious when first responders arrived. The sheriff's office uh, responded to, to the call, and K-9 teams searched the entire school. Jerry Montiel Sanchez, 18 years old, is accused of giving counterfeit Percocet pills containing fentanyl to at least two students. Listen, uh, a couple of years ago, I spoke with somebody who had a kid that went to a party and decided to experiment with taking a pill. Good kid, good home, good school. Took the one pill. It was a counterfeit pill laced with fentanyl. Drug dealer probably didn't even know that it was not the real deal. The kid died. And it's a, it's, it's an, it's an extraordinary, extraordinarily difficult thing to imagine for those that are parents. But it, it's terrible, terrible, just absolutely terrible. The Culpeper County Sheriff's Office said Percocet is a brand name for a painkiller containing the opioid oxycodone. Um, Mr. Sanchez is charged with the distribution of a Schedule One or Two controlled substance. He was held without bail. And it goes on. You could read that. Maybe I'll put this out on um, social media, at Rich Valdez, so you can take a look at it. I'll put it on Twitter. But this is a this is a big deal, and we can't turn a blind eye to what's going on here. And again, this opens the door to immigration. And I'm going to get to you uh, those um, to my comments on my orchestra's comments. But we really have to focus here, right? And we really have to say, you know, what's worse? And I think the the immigration problem and the fentanyl problem and all that to me is probably a bigger deal than a lot of other things. Because this is the one that's claiming the lives of children. This is the one that's allowing these drugs to come in looking like Skittles and, and rainbow and, and sweet tarts and whatnot. I mean, it's clear that they want to hurt the country. And they're willing to put it out there however and to whomever they can 
so that people are hooked and they don't care if they lose a few people along the way as long as there's an appetite for their product and we have an addicted America, our enemies will be happy. Because guess what? They don't really make uh, all of this stuff in the United States, right? They're making it in Mexico. They used to make it in China. Now the cartels have kind of taken over and they're making it in Mexico. Uh, That's where they're counterfeiting a lot of these pills. And I would say that's probably why people are dying because China is an expert at counterfeiting things and they usually don't screw it up where people are going to die. And I'm not saying that anybody should be counterfeiting drugs. I'm just saying things are out of control. And a while back, we had Derek Maltz on, former um, DEA agent, and uh, he explained this in, in a really eloquent manner about the fentanyl poisoning and whatnot and how it's destroying families all across the country. And uh, we should probably invite him back for an update on that because it doesn't seem to be getting any better. It seems to be getting worse. And uh, that's an unfortunate story. Uh, but I want to g- go to your calls on this. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833, the number 4, and my last name, V-A-L-D-E-S, or 833-482-5337. Let's uh, well, you know, that's I live most of my life that way, Frank, kind of like you do. So I think we probably see the same thing. What's on your mind? I don't know. It's, maybe it's the proctologist uh, uh, laser pointer or something, you know, is uh, a light <laughs> at the, in the tunnel or Trump. Oh, boy. I try. I try with you, Frank. Did you want to make a comment about keeping children safe? Yeah, just stay Stay out of my car. I don't want to get busted for statutory rape picking up these strange hitchhikers from New York. Does that happen often in Montana? All the time. Yeah, I I, I don't know too many people in New York that even could even find Montana on a map. But I do know people from other parts of the country that love Montana and they can't wait to go, especially people that are fans of the show that they they shoot in Wyoming. Uh, Yellowstone with your buddy, your best friend, Kevin Costner. And uh, I know a lot of people are, are looking to get out to, to Montana as a result of watching Yellowstone. And I wouldn't mind it myself. But I think you have a point there. Uh, one of the things that you, do, you don't want to ever do is uh, get involved in this hitchhiking stuff. A, it could be a serial psycho killer and they could take care of you. And B, you don't want to get in trouble. Right, you don't want to end up being uh, that guy that ends up doing that type of thing. But the stories we were talking about weren't necessarily hitchhikers. I don't think the guy with the child porn was hitchhiking anything, and I don't think the federal government's setting him up. But I have no way of proving that. I also have no way of proving lots of things. I can only go by the facts that are given to us and kind of take it from there. Uh, but very interesting stuff. Anyway, I want to uh, set up this uh, conversation about Alejandro Mayorkas because although he's facing impeachment. He's still doubling down, saying, no, 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 we're doing a good job. And when he's asked, uh, not yesterday, the day before, he was asked about all these gotaways. And, you know, there's like 5 million people now in the interior of the, of the United States, that, and nobody knows where they are. They're not even in, in along the border. They're, you know, they're just all over the country. And he says, oh, the gotaways, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and he didn't say it like that, but he doesn't know where they are. And that is the problem. There's no tracking on these people that are supposed to be held, you know, pending some asylum hearing. So 
We're going to get to that and more. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number if you want to chime in. 833-482-5337. I am Rich Valdez. It's Open Phone America. We'll be right back. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, by the way, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And uh, you can feel free to chime in on social media. Or you can check me out on on the hotline here, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. But first, I want to talk about what's going on with our Secretary of Homeland Security is in charge of immigration, even though they said Kamala Harris, que mala eres, is the borders are. That's uh, that's not her job, right? That was just Biden gave her some busy work. It's his job to protect the homeland. It's his job to oversee the Border Patrol and all of that. And it seems uh, ICE, Border Patrol, he's weakened them all. He's turned the border agents into travel agents, basically saying, hey, you want to come into the country? No problem. Where do you want to go? You need a bus to Boston. You need a bus here. We're going to get you there. And we're just situating people as they just come right through this uh, quasi-open border. And it's a shame. Alejandro Mayorkas of Cuban descent, uh, who I haven't met a Cuban yet that says, man, this guy's terrific. Oh, he's the best thing ever. Nope, not at all. But he... Um, said yesterday that he doesn't know who these people are, who these gotaways are. 600,000 um, people in, 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 recent, in, in recent history, um, not including, you know, the, the, the 5 million to date that have been here. He, we're just talking about gotaways here. And he says, uh, uh, you know, he just dodges the question. Listen to this. Some of the criticism includes, for example, the 600,000 plus getaways, folks who came into this country and did not go through the process of requesting asylum. So do you know where they are and, and who they are, the people that don't get, don't request asylum when they arrive here? So for the first time since 2011, the president of the United States presented a budget successfully that increased the number of Border Patrol agents. For the first time this year, we have 300 more Border Patrol agent uh, eligibility positions than we did in the past. We are making tremendous strides. We are devoting tremendous resources to enhance our border security, and we will keep at it. Do you know where they are and who they are? So, gotaways have been a challenge from year to year, regardless of the administration. Okay. <laughs> How about that for a non-answer? I'll take non-answers for a thousand. Alex, listen, I wish I could have paused this and beat him up along the way. This is a really good one to, to break this down. All right. So the first thing he says here is, um, you know, he gets asked by Jose Diaz-Balart, a reporter. He says, so do you know who they are and where they are? The people that request asylum when they arrive, 
Mayorkas. For the first time since 2011, the president of the United States has presented a budget that successfully increased the number of Border Patrol agents. For the first time, we have 300 more Border Patrol agents and eligibility positions. I don't even know what that means, eligibility positions. Now, this is where... This is where you got to look at this and say, excuse me, sir, you know, and again, kudos to the reporter for following up uh, and sticking on, on topic. But these types of circuitous response that that responses that go nowhere, they're stupid. And you have to call people out when they do that type of thing. You got to answer the question and you got to say, look, you know, uh, he didn't answer it in either one. He just said it was a historical problem. Then he went on to talk about the budget and said they're taking strides. What strides are you making? How could you call any of this a stride? We've got more people in this country illegally than we've ever had ever, period, hands down. This is, I don't know, uh, let's call it epidemic, right? And still, he's, well, you know, this has uh, been a challenge from year to year, regardless of the administration. Yeah, that's like saying crime has been a problem in every city in America. It sure has, but it didn't skyrocket like it did in 2020 everywhere. It's doing that in a handful of places. This is... uh, a classic example of just people being politicians and you have to hold their 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 feet to the fire. We have to hold them accountable because otherwise <clears throat> whatever happens will happen, right? It'll just be a free-for-all. This is the same guy that says that he is going to uh, continue to do his job very happily with tremendous pride because, of course, because he's facing impeachment. Anyway, let us uh, continue with your phone calls. Uh, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. 833-4-VALDEZ. 833-482-5337. Ohio, WHIZ. Let's go to Paul. Hey, Paul. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome, sir. Hey, good evening, Rich. Um, yeah, i tell you what, Mayorkas, he better get on the stick or something. But um, I was watching a clip from Newsmax TV the other day, and they mm-hmm. were showing these cartels. And I want to tell you something. These aren't no ragtag Jeep driving people anymore. You know, yeah. um, you ought to have seen the armored vehicles that these guys had. And, I mean, they're all dressed to the T. They look like a military. Oh, they and are. Until somebody gets in there yet and stops that, you know, we're going to have a problem. I mean, look, this fentanyl, you was talking about the kid. Or, mm-hmm. women. let me get this straight. There was a kid here in uh, Zanesville that uh, gave a girl... Uh, what she thought was a Percocet or something, and uh, it killed her. But he wow. he he admitted to selling the he admitted to selling the drug. But he said, you know, if I didn't, he said somebody else was going to, and I didn't want her to get something bad. But then he accidentally went and bought something bad. So this yeah, is and a you real know, problem right now. I, I don't mean to interrupt, yeah. but I just that logic, right? That logic. Well, you know, if uh, if I don't do it, somebody else will. Are you serious? You could use that logic on anything and it'll never work. Well, you know, she was bound to get raped in a bad neighborhood at night or robbed. So, uh, you know, I figured I'd rape and rob her. You know, if I wasn't, somebody else was going to. It's the dumbest thing in the world. It's not true. It's not a valid uh, logical position to take. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a lie. But people take that position. And you're right. You're 100% right when you're talking about these fake pills. They're killing kids all over the place. And in my opinion, it's epidemic. Yeah. Well, he, you know, she was really good friends with him and and he could tell that she was, you know, had a problem and he thought that he was getting the good stuff. But my point is this stuff is coming over and it's being disguised and so forth. So, you know, to 
for us to blame that kid, yeah, maybe something should happen there. I agree with that. But my major point was, you know, that these cartels, they're not like a cartel anymore. They're more like an army. Yeah, and you're right. And you know who else made that point and made it so eloquently during uh, the time that immigration was at its worst and was able to control it? Donaldus Magnus El Trumpito, the 45th president of these United States, Donald J. Trump. And I remember he, him very clearly saying, we are considering labeling Mexico and the cartels because they're allowing them to operate in Mexico as a um, as narco terrorists. And if they could achieve that designation, he was prepared to use the strength of the United States military to defeat the narco terrorists. Very quickly, Mexico started to negotiate and do what they had to do and move them away from the border. And they slowed things down and they said, this guy, we can't play with this guy. I'm sure at the same time they said, you know what, let's go get the other guy. Let's see if we could fund Biden somehow because we'd rather play with him than play with Trump. And uh, and, uh, and that makes a lot of sense to me. But uh, you're right. They're 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 armed. I've seen these videos you're talking about on Newsmax TV where they they shoot the drones out of the sky when you get over the foxholes that they've dug uh, on the banks of the Rio Grande River. I mean, it's a serious operation they have there. I know it's been going on for years. And uh, I've I've actually talked to people years ago who told me that they like to get their prescriptions in Mexico because they were cheaper, but they had to hire armed security to get them across. And even doing that, it was still cheaper to buy the prescriptions in Mexico with an armed guard, a retired border agent, what have you. Um, and and uh, it, it just, it was uncanny to me that people were doing that. And I was back in 2014. So I think you raise a great point, Paul. Uh, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody on WHIZ in Ohio. And we're going to continue with your calls and more straight ahead. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what's going on with fentanyl. We're going to talk about a little bit more on Alejandro Mayorkas. Plus, I wanted to remind you about our conversation with Steve Moore uh, and some of what he had to say about the interest rate hike and today's conversation between President Biden and Speaker McCarthy. All of that and more and your calls, of course, coming up right now. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Listen to you, Rich, all the time. America at Night with Rich Valdez. I love the flat tax. I love the gold standard. I love the idea of, um, you know, having a balanced budget requirement. And these things are pretty obvious, I think, to any sensible American. And then you ask, why is it all happening? Because we keep electing these people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we keep electing the people who give us these massive deficits. That's uh, Steve Moore, former White House economist and um, the president of the uh, – geez, I'm forgetting what it's called right now uh, – the coalition to mm, – I'm going to have to look it up and get it back to you. Uh, but Steve Moore, former White House economist uh, in the Trump administration and the Reagan administration, he was on with us early. The Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Forgive me. Committee to Unleash Prosperity.com. And Steve Moore joined us in the first hour of the program and – uh, had a lot of really interesting things to say. And if you missed that interview, you can catch uh, the rest of it. I have a, one more clip I want to play with you, play with you, for you, because he says that the future of our children will be mortgaged if we don't change the way we vote. Listen to this. 
you know, normally what you try to do is pass on assets to your kids, right? <laughs> a home or, you know, a nest egg. We're doing the opposite as a country. We're, we're not passing on assets to our kids. We're passing on debt to our kids. So if you want to check that out, you could listen to the podcast of America at Night with me, Rich Valdez. Uh, just go to wherever you get your podcast, um, check it out, and click that little subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. If you can listen to it live, you want to replay it or share it, I can tell you that particular interview is very uh, insightful. Uh, it's definitely something I'll share with my social media uh, followers, and I'm hoping you'll do the same thing. And that's the podcast for America at Night with me, Rich Valdez. Now, I want to um, continue with the conversation across America. I'm going to go to your calls, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. Let's go to Greenville, Tennessee, WGRV, and I'm guessing that's, uh, I don't know those call letters, uh, what they mean, but anything with an RV in it, I automatically assume is my name. So that's pretty cool. Uh, let's go to Misty. Misty, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hello. Um, I just, I'm curious why nobody's blaming the pharmaceutical companies. I mean, they what would you like to blame them for? For, yeah, well, you know, the fentanyl, for the opiates, they put this stuff Well, out. in this particular know. situation, what's happening is counterfeit pills, uh, counterfeit oxycodone pills are being made and they're, they're being cut with fentanyl, and sometimes there's too much fentanyl in there. So people are thinking that they're buying Percocet, but they're really buying fake Percocets that are really fentanyl, and they're dropping dead. And these aren't made by the pharmaceutical companies. Typically, these are right now, the majority of them, from what uh, our DEA guest um, brought to our attention, the majority of them are being produced in Mexico um, by the cartels with ingredients they're buying from the Chinese. But, yeah, I don't think the pharmaceutical companies get a pass on anything um, because, I mean, we wouldn't have an opiate crisis if it wasn't for the willy-nilly distribution of these pills. But uh, in these uh, particular instances where people are buying counterfeit drugs that are laced with fentanyl, there's really, you know, I, we can't cast the blame for that per se, at least in my opinion, on the drug company. Well, to me, if the fentanyl wasn't in existence to start with, you know, I'm right. coming from someone that was on fentanyl for a long time. There's nobody in that amount of pain that needs that much medicine. Now, you're saying you're saying um, you were on fentanyl for a long time? Yes, not legally. You no, know, I understand. But the person I was getting them from, you know, they were prescribed them, and they didn't need them at all. They lied to get them. You know, I just think that they're they're killing our children. They're killing us to get rich. They don't care. You know, if they didn't have, if the fentanyl was not in existence, you right. know, then the drug dealers wouldn't be able to sell the fake pills. You know, and it's right. No, sad. and I get it. I get it. If there were no appetite for drugs, we wouldn't have a market for drugs. But sadly, it's where we are, and a lot of people, whether it's. Um, you know, pain or whatever they, they start taking these pills for, they end up getting hooked and then they end up going on heroin and they end up becoming like permanent addicts. So, I mean, it sounds like you, um, you, you yeah. came out on the right side of this. I was 23, I was 23 years old, uh, had twins. They sent me home with a, perk, a prescription of perk tens. I'd never took a pain pill in my life. Never at one point did anybody tell me if I took those five days in a row that I could become physically dependent. 
Mm-hmm. You know, no warnings. I was a kid. How did you get past you know, it? And yes, that went um, 25 years of pure hell. Um, oh, myself, wow. my family, you know, anybody I loved and cared about. Um, and it is by the grace of God Amen. that I'm still speaking. I mean, I've been on life support four times. Uh, um, wow. Three of them were overdoses. Um, and like I said, it's God is the only reason I'm here. But I get so aggravated because they're killing us for a dollar. Right. Absolutely. You know, and what's so sad is the people that do need the medication have to sell it so that they have groceries to eat. You know, I never got my, my medication from a doctor. It was from right. old person, old person that needed to sell it to pay their electricity. Well, and, and you know what? The fact that there are people who like old people that could afford to sell these pills without having to take them. Uh, I think there was an over prescription of these drugs. And that's why there was that big lawsuit uh, with Johnson and Johnson and some other distributors that had to pay twenty six billion dollars in that opioid sell- settlement because it was determined that they didn't do a good job keeping it tight enough. But Misty, Godspeed to you. I'm glad that you're well today. I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you for the call, and feel free to call in anytime. Call back again soon. God bless you. More to come straight ahead. It's Rich Valdez. It's Open Phone America here on America at Night. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. No hair, no care, and live on the air, it's Rich Valdez. All right, I'm looking at Twitter right now, and I see Planet Blotar just started following me on Twitter. The um, the caption here says, they used to call me Pluto until a group of cosmic Democrats <laughs> threw me away. <laughs> oh, that's so funny, Planet Blotar. Anyway, speaking of planets... Um, there's a big deal going on tonight, a very big deal. What kind of big deal, Rich? Get to the point. All right, I will. Hold on. Hold your horses. Listen to this. This is uh, reported in space or on space.com. Green Comet C2022E3ZTF, whatever that means, will be closest to the Earth today. And here's how you can see it. Now, This comet, known as 2022E3ZTF, hasn't been so close to Earth for 50,000 years since the last ice age and prior to the extinction of Neanderthals, minus me, of course. And uh, on Wednesday, February 1st, during the evening, this comet that uh, has not visited the Earth since the last ice age at the time of the Neanderthals, will make its closest approach to our planet. So you should be able to see this um, in most places around this time. Now that we're getting off the air, you should be able to um, see it if you're looking for it. Let me see. Uh, I'll give you a little bit more info on this, just in case you're a comet gazer. It's near the North Star, and during um, blah, 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 26 million miles, Earth and Sun, if you've been watching, you can get a look. 
before it speeds away. Now's your best chance. And um, there's also a free webcast that you can check out uh, from the Virtual Telescope Project. So check that out um, if you're into that type of thing. I'm typically not, but I have a producer that's a Trekkie and brought it to my attention, and I'm glad he did because that was pretty cool. And it made excellent fill for the end of the show. So check out the Comet in the Sky tonight. I am Rich Valdez. Until the next time, which in Spanish is hasta la próxima. Take care, good night, and God bless. I am Rich Valdez, and we're going to do it again tomorrow. Thank you. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can you pay me more? Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.